Well, the Duran Show rides again. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a while since an episode's been out with all three of us. Uh, today, I'm here with Marcus and Mitchell, and we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Open. So uh, let's start talking back through this. So Marcus and Mitchell, you guys went out there and tell us about armies. Tell us about which uh, events you played in, because I think you had a grand tournament and a doubles tournament event. So give us a little setup for prep, points level, all that before we start talking specifics. Mitchell, why don't you lead us off? What what was uh, what was the points level and what armies did you take? Um, so for the grand tournament, it was 800 points. And it was unique in the fact that it was good and evil. So you got to bring two armies um, at 800 points. And I took Riders of Theoden, Legendary Legion, for my good army. And I took Depths of Moria, Legendary Legion, for my evil army. Oh, so uh, this is a multi-army event. So it's yep. always good versus evil then, huh? Not always, as we found out. But it was it was trying to be that way what uh, ended up happening was if someone only brought one army and the other person brought two armies the person who brought two armies got to pick which army they wanted to play ah. against the person who only brought one so it kind of like um it favored or rewarded people who brought multiple armies it seems like a fair setup but it also keeps it so there's not like a cost to entry for newer players can still come if they only have one army yeah exactly and it worked well. And if, if people brought two armies, then it was kind of cool because you both rolled off. Whoever won got to pick who's good and who's evil. Nice. So it was kind of fun. Nice. All right. So two legendary legions. Um, that's not typical for you. You're usually a pure army kind of kind of dude. So interesting. We'll see how that goes. Marcus, let's hear what you brought. I brought two armies as well. I brought for my evil army, I brought Ingmar. Um, and yeah, just pure Ingmar. And for my good army, I took the Dead of Dunharrow. Not the legendary legion, but like the actual army, Dead of Dunharrow. I feel like that's a super uh, big departure from the normal meta. Just, I don't know the last time I've seen Dead of Dunharrow by itself. Matter of fact, I'll bet it's probably since Gondor at War came out, honestly. It seems like everybody just takes the legendary legion since then. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Angmar, was it a typical Angmar, or was it your mo- your uh, Monster Mash Angmar? What was going on there? I ran a double caster, so I took the Witch King on Felbeast and the Tainted on Horse with Gullivar. So it was a double spell caster, um, Angmar. No Barrel Whites, it was just those three heroes with a ton of orcs. Uh, a little bit of a horde. Nice. Nice. Okay, and uh, I think if there's more details desired on exactly the specifics of each list. I think the last episode you guys spoke to that. So people can always go back and see exact details on the list. All right. So this was a three day event, correct? Yeah. So the first day was doubles. And then the second day, Saturday and Sunday was um, the grand tournament. All right. And with it being in Las Vegas, I mean, you got to tell us where was this held? I mean, I'm just imagining front and center stage at the MGM grand, of course. (laughs) <laughs> that was until the last day. We yeah. had to, oh, okay. We had to the final table. Yeah, yeah, final table. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious, though, was it on the strip or no, was it, it was off on the strip? The, it was just slightly off the strip. It's to the Rio. It was at the Rio. Um, oh, okay. But the uh, the 40K, so the, the Lord of the Rings turnout was actually only 32 players max. I thought it would be a little bit more than that. And they had a few drop-ups. So I think we're at like 
23 or 24 players that actually showed up, Marcus, or something like that? I can't remember. Yeah, I think they had seven cancellations, seven no-shows the uh, morning of the yeah. game tournament. Yeah. Really? So they weren't yeah. even maxed out? That's a bummer. No, they weren't. Yeah. It was a bummer. But the uh, 40K had – I saw that they had 1,200 people signed up for it. And then the uh, Star Wars Legion and X-Wing and all that stuff seemed packed. So there's, there was definitely a lot of people. I think there were 3,000 people registered to play at the event over the course of the weekend across all of the games there. Oh, that's crazy. I wonder how that compares to Nova. I, don't, I have no idea what the player base, and obviously Nova's big, but 3,000 is, I mean, that's significant. It was, yeah. yeah, it was a ton of people. Huh. Okay, cool. All right, well, we can't just get straight into the GT because I'm a big fan of doubles events. So uh, give us a quick recap and let's go every other game of the doubles event, uh, mostly because I liked the picture of the combined army. So you you guys brought uh, Duran's folk, right? Yep, we uh, combined forces. Marcus, for better or worse, decided to be allies. Um, and uh, we, were, we were trying to figure out what to bring and I threw out, well, we're at the Durin show. When was the last time we played Durin? So we decided to bring Durin and all of his folk with him. Nice. Well, it's certainly a good picture, which uh, I hope one of you guys will post on uh, the Instagram page, just seeing the the cool hearth guard with their mohawk helmets and, and all the rest of the vault wardens. And, those, and the pretty vault wardens. Yeah. yeah. Red team, blue team. Yeah. Red and, team, blue team. Little halo and, interaction going on. We'll, uh, we'll name our army... The final stand of the Vault Wardens. <laughs> we'll let the yeah. we'll let the we'll let the listeners decide. How about that? Or we yes. could we could we could have named our army the Quickly Killed Vault Wardens. So they only actually died in <laughs> one game, Marcus, if you remember right. Oh, they okay. actually died in one game. Well, too uh, much. Yes. Let's just get into it. Enough teasers. Let's go. Yeah, well, let's start. We don't want to spend all the time on the doubles, but I think it's worth a quick recap. So, uh, Mitchell, why don't you start game one, and then so, we'll hand it over to Marcus for game two of the doubles. Uh, and, of okay. course, you know, it's a doubles event, so adequate commentary throughout from both. Yes, yes. Uh, so, game one, we are playing uh, against the Return of the King Legendary Legion, and we're playing the one, I can't remember the name of it, but the one where half your army is deployed right up in the middle, but on your opponent's side. And then the other half is deployed on your board edge. And then the opponent, obviously, half their army is deployed on your side, but in the middle. And then the rest of their army is deployed on their board edge. So we're, like, split almost and cut off from each other kind of a thing. Um, and so that one, I got to look up the scenario on this one. Do you have it, Marcus? No no escape. So it forces – you have two – or obviously two, two parts of your team. It forces opponents – to square off, and you have to deploy within six, inch of each, six inches of each other um, in, on the middle line. And then, yeah, then you're, you you have an enemy behind on your back. So, yeah, it, it totally flips deployment. It's either or, either or, or staggered every other one. So the Marcus deployed up in the middle because he was Durin. I think it forces your leader to deploy up in the middle. So he had Durin yes. and all the hearth guard, some iron guard. Uh, right up in the middle, and Aragorn plus a bunch of Army of the Dead deployed right next to him. I then deployed, I had a Dwarf King uh, and the King's Champion, 
And then I had four Vault Warden teams. I think I had five Kaza Guard and two Iron Guard or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but that was about my list. And I deployed on the back line. And basically what I did was Dwarf King marched double twice, and I was just rushing to get to Aragorn's back. And Marcus was going to try to wrap. Um, the way we were, we, were, we were communicating very well on this one, we were wrapping, we encircled him, we kind of cut him off. Um, he, our opponents deployed the King of the Dead, and he had Legolas, the controversial uh, third hero pick for the Return of the King Legendary Legion. He had Legolas in the back who was trying to take shots all day long and only managed to kill, I think, one Vault Warden Spear the whole game, I think. With spending two points of might. And he spent two points of might to do that, yeah. So Legolas uh, pretty much... What does Legolas do when he can't snipe horses? He does nothing. I, <laughs> that's, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, so we basically, the way I remember this game going, uh, we pushed, he tried to get away from the circle, but ended up, Marcus was able to pin him down. I then was able to hit the other side, hammer and anvil. We kind of swept the middle. Uh, I don't think we killed Aragorn. Did we put a wound on him? I think we put a wound on him. Yeah, we wounded him. I think we wounded him, and we broke him. I don't think we broke ourselves. We did not. Yeah. It so, was just, it wasn't really fair. Like, it, we have fearless dwarves who are strength four with a lot of plus ones or yeah. two-handed weapons to use. And so we were making all of our charges. He couldn't rely on terror, and we just kind oh, of went munching. Something to note. With Durin on the board, we have a Warhorn. So our Courage 4 dwarves go up to Courage 5. And a yeah. lot of times, my Vault Wardens were not in Harbinger range because the King of the Dead was on the other side of the battlefield. And I think, Marcus, I failed 80% of my Courage test to charge. I think courage I calculated five. like 86%. Of all of so, and this is not just hearth guard, but I think your hearth guard were pretty much the only ones. Iron guard, iron guard were sprinkled in here and there, but we failed. I think it was 86% of all terror checks required for the game with courage five at worst, courage four. Yeah, so it's some weird rolling. And then on top of that, I think um, I lost one actual vault warden shield. I maybe I didn't lose any, but we were getting nervous because my D9 on my vault warden shields didn't mean anything because they were attacking our courage. So that was game That's, one. Well, we it's were nervous because bad. we we were nervous because we got off to a, such a hot start and we killed almost we killed Aragorn's entire warband by the time the King's warband got there, and then all of a sudden your dwarves were, start, were going to hold the line. They failed all their courage tests, so then all of a sudden the dead had a lot of two on ones, mm-hmm. um, yep. and started racking up the kills. We probably killed ten models off right off the cuff, right off yeah. right off the get go. Um, and probably another 10 models the rest of the game. And yeah. He, wow. he, he was like one model away from breaking us, or they were, one, I think, one or two models away from breaking us by the end of the game. So it, it did we not go nervous. well. Yeah, the second half of the game did not go well. But we luckily, our, our initial start won us the game. So we had such a powerful start, was able to, you know, coast us the rest of the way, even though some horrible things went wrong. But it was a well, fun game. The, and we both agreed, if Legolas hadn't stood back and shot the whole game, if he would have been up using his might for combats or heroic moves, uh, definitely should have lost that game. Uh, but Legolas sat back and shot the whole game and did absolutely nothing. Yeah. And there was an uh, a incentive, a slight incentive for him to keep Legolas back, which was, I think there's VPs rewarded for killing the secondary hero. Yeah. And so Legolas was his secondary hero, not the King of the Dead. So I think that's why he did it. But at the same time, I, we agreed that if Legolas yeah. had been up in our business, it would have been a lot worse. 
Or you score two victory points to kill the leader of your secondary of the enemy secondary force. Mm. Yeah, because even if Legolas doesn't have the strength to wound dwarves, I mean, just getting a higher fight value with the ghost striking your courage, would, mm-hmm. yeah, would have been huge. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then I guess that goes to another vote in the bucket of why you don't take Legolas under certain conditions. So, very good. All right. So game one. What was the final score tally? Oh, let's do a quick add-up. I don't remember. Uh, let's see. We wounded, so that's one. We broke them without breaking, so that's five. So that's six total. And then we had a banner at the end of the game. They did not. So that was another two. So that's eight. And we did eight not one. wound. Eight one. We did not eight wound one. their leader. All right. But, so you guys but, are playing it off like it was close, but really the score says otherwise. Well, no, no, no. So the Mitchell didn't get into this, but the game ended. I think we actually ended up on tire. I can't remember if we whatever the end condition was, but the end of the game was Aragorn with his might, one per turn, fighting next to the King of the Dead, and we had no might left on our heroes, and all of our our heroes were um, swarmed in the middle. Uh, I think, so I think we lost the King's Champ, didn't we? Yeah, we almost Ar- lost Durin. Yeah, that sounds right. So like we we were very close to Aragorn. Um, if they would have won priority, it would have been a heroic combat. He he was a turn or two from breaking us, killing our leader, and then it would have been uh, a completely flip-flop score, I think. Okay, all right, that makes sense. But timing sometimes uh, is the bigger factor. So take us into game two. Now, this was a three-game doubles event, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, so you want to know... What's game two look like, Marcus? Uh, game two was rough. It was Clash of Champions, which is the doubles contest of champions. And our opponent um, were actually Jake and, and Pat, who we they're the only other West Coast people participating in the event. Um, they took Alindal and Gilglad. And so a quick scoring rundown, Clash of Champions, like Contest of Champions, you have to keep tally of the wounds your leaders, plural, both leaders do throughout the course of the game. And then obviously if your leaders kill the other leaders, or if you kill the other leaders at all, you get a lot of victory points. But it's 3-5-7 just for the amount of, like, do you kill more? It's Lords of Battle, but just like you're, just like Contest of Champions. Um, and so our leaders were Durin and a King's Champion. No, nope, dwarf king. the Dwarf King, because he's the hero of Valor. So mm-hmm. uh, we were in a bit of a pickle. The other thing that's crazy is there's a special rule on the scenario that says whichever leader is behind on the kill tally, just like the Legolas and Gimli rule, the other hero gets plus one to wound. And so um, I'm not going to spend too much time. We, we had a strategy to try and do an assault and blitz to try and knock one of them out early on. It didn't quite it didn't work. work. It didn't work. <laughs> um, it didn't Alendil work. and Gilgalad essentially just sat back. Alendil would combat, kill somebody. He would always go first. Then that would give Gilgalad plus two to wound with his spear and with the, the scenario. So well, it was let's wounding on threes, this. wounding on threes, re-rolling like everything. It it got messy. Well, and this is what Marcus said Vault Warden suck on, which I couldn't believe. So Alendil and Gilgalad charge into... Uh, two teams each of my Vault Warden team. So I have four total, so they're in combat with all of them. Gilglad, com- or Elendil combats first, 
and he's strength five with plus one to wound. So he only needs fives to kill D9. So he easily kills both two of the front shield guys of the first two Vault Warden teams and goes into the spear guys. Now Gilglad has Eesh. plus two to wound and he has Lord of the West. So Gilglad with plus two to wound needs fours by twos to kill my <laughs> shield guys. So I got all four shield guys of my Vault Warden team deleted in the first turn of combat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you might as well have Lake Town Guard in that scenario. Ex- exactly. And so Marcus is like, Vault Warren team suck. I was like, well, I mean, we're playing Elendil and Gilglad with plus oh, two. Oh, no. This is, this is a three-game this is a three three game tournament to talk about Vault, Vault Wardens. Don't you worry. No, it just there, – there was a lot. We we tried I – th- I think we tried valiantly. There was probably a few positioning. We In retrospect, we spent a lot of time – the game ended pretty quick. We spent a lot of time trying to talk, like, what would we have done differently? And one of the big things was deploy on the opposite side of the board. Like we should have switched deployment to give us to take away the amount of alleys we were fighting through because that actually was super detrimental to us um, because it was Gilgalad and Lindell fighting in the alleys. So we needed a little bit more space to operate. Um, but I think, especially against good opponents, I think nine times out of ten, or maybe nineteen times out of twenty. Somebody commanding that force is probably going to win because Durin, yeah, Durin maybe Durin maybe can hold his own for a few turns. He's not the super killy person, but it was the Dwarf King. Like the Dwarf King couldn't, uh, he didn't win a combat. He had the King's Guard supporting, so he was always tied on fight values. Like it was, he, the, the Dwarf King struggled a lot. Um, but we didn't take him as a we didn't take him as a killy hero. We took him to help provide mobility. So it was and the march. Unfo- yeah, it was unfortunate. Well, and I'm trying to think. If you need two killy heroes for a scenario, I don't know what better setup there is. I mean, maybe Azog's Legion with Bulg and Azog, but there's not very many one-two punches like that that's set up for a scenario that well as Elendil and Gilgalad. Yeah. So, hey, it was rough because Gilgalad also had Blood and Glory, so he was combating, oh, yeah. getting to a hero. He was yeah. going after that Dwarf King for the Might region. Jeez. Uh, and not to take away from Pat or Jake, they played it excellently. They, uh, I mean, we tried to do a couple of baits. We tried to uh, pop Elendil really fast, and we were slightly out of position, so we didn't end up getting it off. But they were recognizing it the whole way, and they just, well, we're just going to blow up your entire line, and then you have nothing to counterpunch with. They, so they, played very, they played very passive. They would combat and then combat to safety. They would not, yeah. they never went in. Yeah, because oh, really? they realized they had yeah, Gil, like Gilglad was off on a flank. He was never in danger of getting hit, and Elendil never quite went in for a full like I'm gonna double up on this and then risk a heroic roll, you know, a heroic roll off. So they they played very smart. Well, that's always the tough thing to do is to not just sink in with heroes like that. Seems like yep. you're not getting your points if they're not getting two different rounds of combat off a of combat. But I guess it worked out. Yeah. Yep. To the uh, tune of 12-0. 12-0. Yeah. Yeah. Worked out very well for them. Yep. Okay. So now the the mighty dwarves are one and one. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about game three. Uh, game three was against Angmar. So they had an interesting Angmar list. Um, obviously, Marcus and I see a lot of Angmar, so it's rare for the for us to see an Angmar list we don't recognize. But this was an Angmar list with a Witch King on horse, crown. I think he had 15 will or something like that. Four Barrow Whites. Mm-hmm. He had Birder, 
And who's the orc? Gullfimble, thank you. Who's the orc guy? I was going to say. Gullfimble. Four barrel whites? Yes, four barrel whites. And I believe this one was take and hold, Marcus? Duel of wits. Duel of wits. Sorry. Duel of wits. That's right. Quadrants. We were deploying in quadrants. So the goal of this one was also confusing. I don't play a lot of double scenarios, and I did not fine read the scenario pack very, very well. Um, there's some verbiage in here. So there's a 12-inch circle on the on the uh, page, but it's actually a 6-inch that you have to care about, <laughs> not 12-inch. It's kind of weird. Um, but the well, so What do you mean? What's the bit. circle, though? Is it like the dead zone in Command the Battlefield? There's a dead zone for deployment, but there's a 6-inch center for where you're trying to end your heroes on. It's it's like a weird combination. It's like, dude, take a step back. The scenario is like a weird combination of command the battlefield with hold the ground. Hold ground. That's the name of the scenario. So for, for deployment, it's a lot like command the battlefield in terms of you have a dead zone, you're in quadrants, your forces split up, kitty corner diagonally across the board. But then when it comes to scoring to win VPs, it it's like hold ground in terms of it, you want your leaders or your heroes to be in the middle of the board. It also has a third scenario incorporated with it, fog of war, where yeah. we're trying to secretly note down enemy heroes we're trying to kill, uh, but we cannot communicate that with our partners of who we're going for. So they had four Barrowites, Birder, Witch King, and uh, Gullfimble. So yeah. there was lots of heroes to pick from that we had to secretly pick. Each, yeah, each of us picks an assassination target that we got to go after. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this scenario seems kind of like Dave Filoni directing episode six of the Book of Boba Fett. Like, what else can I throw in this that I enjoy? I'll do Fog of War. I'll do Command the Battlefield. Hmm. Contest of Champions. I, Surprise, surprisingly, it was a fun scenario. <laughs> this is my favorite out of the pack by far. And it's not even close. Like it's so weird. And it, Mitchell, you'll probably touch on this for like the reasons why it's weird, but it was weird in a very fun way. It was, it was, it was fun. Cause I like the aspect of us. Cause Marcus and I, we were, we were taking it seriously, but we were also trying to have fun with it. So we were trying to have team meetings, but not discuss like what we're not supposed to discuss and talk about. So like, I was trying to be very obvious with all of my stuff. So right off the bat, Marcus deploys first. He's on the coordinate and he kind of sets up around the circle. So he's like, am I going to go left towards this side? Am I going to go right towards this side? Because we're deployed kitty corner, if you can think about that way. So we have an opponent to our left and to our right. Um, there, So he deployed kind of like towards the center. And our opponents deployed and Birder, who was my target, was deployed to my left. And he had with him Gullfimble and I think two Barrowites. Two Barrowites and a bunch of Spectres. And a bunch of Spectres and some Orcs. They didn't have a huge model count. And then to my right was the Witch King, the other two Barrowites, and some Orcs and some Wargriders. So I was very purposeful with my deployment on trying to communicate to Marcus who I was going for. And I lined up everybody to the left side. (laughs) I'm going for this side. We can't talk about it, but do you see what I'm laying down here? (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm all against the left side here. (laughs) So, uh, I deployed, I had some vault wardens. There were some terrain pieces that I was able to plop them in front of very nicely. Um, and I had my Kaza guard and iron guard kind of protecting their rear and kind of harassing with some throwing axes to the eventual Witch King and double Barrowites and some orcs that were coming in behind me. 
Um, so I, I pressed in as hard as I could towards the left side. Marcus then picked up the hint. He pressed towards the same opponent and he kind of like swarmed the middle at the same time because he wanted to make sure that we owned the middle. Um, and then we kind of set up some nice, I'll, I'll kind of skip through it. We set up some nice hero combats that went off. So I remember my Dwarf King hero combated, killed Gold Thimble, and then kind of looped some uh, extra guys and help Marcus try to kill Birder. Um, we eventually broke them. Uh, my King's Champion was paralyzed, but it was interesting. They were doing single dice paralyze on warriors as well, not just heroes. They're trying to paralyze certain warriors that were in position. So it was interesting how they were using their four paralyzed spellcasters. That almost seems like a huge error myself. But. Well, but the only hero that was in combat, except for like the very last turn, was the King's Champion. So they didn't have, like Durin, I was keeping him a little bit away because Birder was pressing and I didn't want... I didn't want something weird to happen where Birder was all of a sudden going to be on, the, on Durin without a lot of support. And so they okay. they were, model count-wise, I think they were this exact same as us. Orcs mm-hmm. versus dwarves, fearless dwarves. Mm-hmm. And so they were going crazy trying to find ways to get value early on. And that mm-hmm. resulted, like, there were a lot of paralyzes on Hearth Guard, Iron Guard. Mm-hmm. That didn't go off. I guess that makes sense, because if you're uh, matching up orcs to dwarves, you're in trouble if it, the count is even. Yeah, so they were they were going for some paralyzes on some of our warriors, and it didn't work out a lot of times, but some of them did go off. What I remember is I killed Golfimble, so I was happy, because anytime you kill a hero, it might be Marcus's target or something like that. So I was happy I killed a hero. I was trying to get into Birder. Marcus was pursuing Birder. Birder almost got away, but Marcus was eventually able to track him down and kill him. Uh, I then, once I saw Birder was going to get trapped and killed, I double-backed, turned around, and hit the backside and tried to kill some Barrowites. (laughs) No, we're skipping through the craziest part of the scenario. So, like, you're saying you were so obvious. And I thought, you was like, okay, Mitchell clearly sees the most dangerous of these warbands completely isolated. This will be an easy opportunity to wipe the whole thing. And we can turn around and deal with Witch King later. But we got pinned, like, the scenario piece in the middle that we had to get to only had two entrances because there was a bunch of, like, tent camps. It was a weird centerpiece. And I locked down one of them, but the other one was totally open. And we got trapped, like, we got trapped between terrain pieces that was outside of six inches. And so we started getting down to the late game. Birder's still alive at this point. But Mitchell is calling, Mitchell goes to call a heroic move to counter to get a huge positioning advantage. I'm like, obviously, you're going to heroic move through this piece of terrain. So your doors can go hit the Wish King well before he can ever get within six inches. We'll completely lock off this centerpiece. We have total board control. And Mitchell Hero moves towards Burner. And I was like, what are you doing? We just lost position on the whole board. Well, or the target. It was my target, which at the end of the game, who was your target, Marcus? Burner, but I, I, it was Burner. I killed him. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to make sure we killed him. It's like, Mitchell, he was about to get away. He was about to get away. He was, he was running close. from you. He was, he was running close. from you. And uh, was, I was worried he was going to get away. So I made sure I locked down. We killed Birder. In uh, the Hobbit there, movies, when the Iron Hill doors put their shield wall up, like imagine that scene, and then Dane Ironfoot say, screw this, run them backwards. <laughs> and everybody turns around and runs away. That's exactly what happened. We had the perfect positioning. 
Uh, I was going for the objectives. <laughs> well, now, I guess shame on me for not asking this right off the bat, but I think there's probably a lot of people who don't play doubles regularly. So can you all explain why it is you can't talk about this with your teammate ahead of time? Just what are the restrictions in doubles? Oh, it's- it's just on this scenario. It specifically says don't collaborate and tell your person who your assassination target is. So it's they're very much like honor system um, because you could obviously abuse this. But it, on, on the scenario itself, it says, hey, pick your target who you want to try and kill and you can't share this with your teammate. OK, so it's ex- it's ex- explicitly shows what you can and can't talk about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Perfect. So anyways, we end up killing Birder. We then about-faced. We did punch through that orc shield wall. Um, and I killed, I think, actually, both Barrow Whites on the Witch King side. I know I killed at least one, but I think I got the second one at the last turn. So basically, they ended, I knew we got the target because, of at least both of our targets, because no heroes were alive except the Witch King. And you can't pick the leader to, a tar- to target. So I knew both Marcus and I had killed him. We had broken them without breaking them ourselves, and then we misread, at least I misread, the final position of the hold ground is actually 6 inches, and I kept thinking it was 12 inches, so my heroes were actually outside the ring. Um, So I didn't score points for being inside the ring with the heroes, but uh, I think we scored like a 10-0 victory in the end. Well, the wording on this is like obviously also the, the, the weirdest word. It's like you score two points or one point whatever you score points for every one of your enemies targets that finishes within that central objective so i think the the victory points were designed to entice all of the heroes to go to the middle and not just run away you can score a ton of victory points for being in that six inch bubble Mm. and so i think it ended up we had zero we didn't have any heroes within six we didn't have any of their targets because we only had two king's champ and the door king within six inches of the hold ground. So we missed out on all those victory points. Hmm. Which I actually think, sounds okay. like a pretty sweet incentive, though, to have a yeah. duke out in the middle. Yeah, and that's basically what they're trying to set up. But I think we ended up with like a 10-0 or an 8-0 victory. I can't remember, depending on the score. Yeah. All right. So either way, no matter what that was, you had two major victories and one major loss in the three-game doubles event. Yep. All right. And that looked like kind of a really weird deal because it seemed like there was like a 20 way tie for third place. Oh, I can't even remember. Uh, I, do you remember, Marcus? Yeah, there were a lot of people that finished two and one. I think we oh. had we had a, we had a good advantage, but for that zero to 12 loss. Okay. I remember. What did we place? I can't remember. I think you tied for third. There was four that tied for third, I think. That sounds about right. Okay. There was there were fourteen teams in the doubles tournament. So I think we were yeah in that yeah. Hodge okay. for third third place. Yep. All right. Well, two and one's always good, especially when you're trying to figure out how to play with a teammate versus being the sole general. And you two did not uh, hit each other during the doubles event, so that's good. Oh, I almost threw a Vol Warden at him because you know what Mitchell just conveniently like skipped over in our Angmar game. What was our courage test ratio for Vault Wards, Mitchell, against Angmar? Okay. So again, no. with no harbinger, with no harbinger, courage five. So you're basically complaining about the courage of elves. Make it, okay. make it, make an easier argument. Were you better or worse than the Army of the Dead, the, the Legendary Legion, game one? And the answer no. is. Worse. Not noticeable. Or it could be maybe worse. 
Mitchell yeah. on the day rolled less than 20% success rate for charge tests on the five models that needed to test. For Courage 5 models. So, All right. So note to self, point. Courage 5 sucks. Must yes, have Courage fearless. 5 sucks. Must have fearless, apparently. No, the, the, the <laughs> difference is why take, why leave it up to the dice? When you can take fearless, take fearless. But this, I will also note that not a single Vault Warden died in our Because they were in combat. Because oh, they were in uh, combat. No, no, no. I disagree. <laughs> they didn't die. I have and, an undefeated uh, record when I don't play. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So anyway, my next hot take for next episode. My next Should Vault Wardens is, be thrown out of the game? That is a great great topic because my next army list just happens to have at least 12 Vault Warden teams in it because I'm going to take this against Marcus. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to have to take one terrifying model and laugh as you fail all your courage tests. On a serious note, though, did you guys kind of enjoy the doubles event to try and... I mean, because it's basically a warm-up, right? You get to know where the facility is. You get to meet some of the players. You get to see the boards. So do you prefer that format before a GT? Just curious. 100%. I would take that every single time, yeah. To be able to play on the boards and also, like, shake up... Like, we're all traveling to this, right? So it's a long travel day. It was a late night. I think we flew in. Our flight got delayed a little bit. We didn't land until, like, 1 a.m. And so to have the ability to low-key relax play some fun like legitimately fun games the double scenarios are super fun shake the mental fog get geared up to try and win but not have it penalize you for making a dumb mistake early on so clutch all right on the flip side uh at the end of sunday playing nine games in three days is rough so i was mentally taxed so there is a flip side to that yeah, you give and take. Uh, yep. the, the back strain, bending over the table for three days in a row. But yeah, on the flip, I totally agree with you uh, on the positive side of just getting to see the boards, see the facility, and kind of not have that jitters of the game actually matters the first time you throw dice after you get off a plane. And of course, everybody wants to win. It's not like you're throwing the doubles event. It's just not the same amount of stakes. Mm-hmm.